Greg. I woke up today with what I think I can describe as the, the podcast jitters, but uh, then I remembered. Then I remembered, like we talk every day, and it's, it's always fun, and we always laugh, and I always learn something. So I just think this is going to be easy. This cool. Is yeah. Be- you know, I, I woke up with them too, and uh, you are right. I think that's sound advice. We do we do speak all the time, and it's just it's just Greg and Charlie doing what we do. <laughs> you ready to jump right into it? Yeah, let's go. This is Farfetched Threads, our people podcast, where you can hear the real stories about life as a farfetcher. Hello and welcome to Farfetched Threads, our people podcast. My name is Charlie Franco. I'm a marketing coordinator at Stadium Goods. Today, I'm very lucky to be joined by Greg Bennett, creative director at Stadium Goods. And we're gonna discuss the Stadium brand, the Stadium Goods apparel brand, and um, excited to get into it. So you've worked in a lot of different roles and touched pretty much every part of the creative field throughout your career, from founding Orchard Street to working on sneakers with huge sportswear brands. And I'm wondering how your experience has prepared you for your role as a creative director of Stadium Goods. So having having sort of touched so many facets of uh, art, fashion, music throughout my career, it's it's really sort of given me a very rounded experience and education in, uh, in, in the creative field. So coming to Stadium Goods as a creative director, I really am able to sort of lead with a 360 degree perspective on things and like being able to kind of touch different things and have different understanding. And as a creative director, what my role specifically is, is to sort of oversee, oversee the brand, the, the larger stadium goods brand and the apparel brands within stadium goods to oversee the sort of look and feel of things and work closely with content team, photo team, marketing team, design team, and just sort of like help, you know, I don't want to say that, uh, one thing that I do want to be clear is like the creative director doesn't mean that all the ideas are yours or anything like that. What it means is you're a person that kind of helps keeps things cohesive and, you know, keeps the right arm talking to the left arm and there being a very unified and make sure, you know, there's like a very unified um, brand vision and direction. Can you sort of speak to like how, you know, your sort of appetite for creativity sort of started? Was it at a young age or? Um, so yes, like uh, I was a massive comic book nerd at, as like a kid and like, you know, I just used to like sit around and draw and that was kind of my like, that was my sort of like um, entertainment. I just used to like drawing and, you know, I used to I used to ride the train to school and I used to look at graffiti out the train and be like, wow, that's so cool. You know, like that was that was sort of um, my start in creativity. Like I, I've always been into sort of like art and drawing and painting and that sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah. And, and what sort of like specifically motivated you to start creating brands and products of your own? Because, you know, you started kind of creating, you know, brands and product in like the late 90s and early 2000s. Like 
the birth of you know what's commonly called streetwear so right. Uh, right. wondering what sort of pushed you to, to make your own stuff um I, it's it's an interesting question i'm going to give you a little bit of like history uh that will sort of like i guess contextualize that so um you know i i went to uh I went to an all boys school where I had to wear a uniform till I was in seventh grade, right? And um, maybe a few days into seventh grade, I'm, you know, a little kid sitting in a cafeteria and uh, this senior who was, I have an older brother. And so I, I like, was like the seventh grader who knew some old kids, right? So like, I, I was a little bit cool in that way. But the senior kind of came up to me. I'll never forget. I, I will never forget this day. <laughs> and like, he like brushed some crumbs off my shirt and was like, yo, man, like, <laughs> yo, like, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're never going to be like cool or anything if, if, if like, you don't like pay attention to what you're doing. And, you know, I'm there with like some shirt that my mom bought me and like some like, you know, whatever pants like whatever was just there like oh cool like whatever like and um you know that was sort of the beginning of my awareness of image and clothing right and you know from then i, I started getting into like polo and hilfiger and nautica and jerbo and nike tim vask whatever whatever was like kind of that sort of like street level ill thing happening at the moment. And um, I started collecting clothes, right? And um, that was a huge thing. Uh, collecting clothes, graffiti, they kind of went hand in hand. And um, it, it's getting to the like late 90s now. And, um, you know, uh, at that point, sort of polo in in our minds it's funny how things kind of come back around but at that point it was like man polos played out where all that all that collecting stuff all that stuff we used to do whatever and all of our clothes like and this is me and my friends and like group of like peers around everyone's polo had paint splatters on it because we all wrote graffiti right so it was like you could have like this sick high-tech jacket from 1992 but the cuffs like have like pink and red splatters on them and just like signs of wear from like, you know, this thing. So um these ain't Margella. It didn't it didn't come like that. <laughs> no, it didn't come like that. So um very long story short, uh we started, and I say we because like I was very much working with like the homies and it was kind of like, yo, we're gonna do this. We started making clothes because the direction that things were going in, which was like the Armani exchange, Italian stuff, square toed shoes, like all that wasn't really us, right? Like that wasn't us at all. Like we were, we were wearing 95s in 95, right? We were, <laughs> we were doing like, you know, the year was just, oh yeah, it's this year. It wasn't like some thing like, um, but we were, you know, we were kind of into the sneakers already and it was sort of like the the natural thing was like sneakers and t-shirts right like in those days you could go if you went downtown you were going to like the union store or the stussy store and they'd have like the racks of tees and it would be like you know ill curation of like oh this con art from the west coast uh 
this one from France, this one from like, you know, wherever. So like t-shirts and sneakers on a very underground street level was, was sort of our thing. And it was kind of the easiest sort of thing to make. So like the sort of like turning away from polo and turning away from the mainstream kind of thing is what sort of brought me into like making my own thing. And I couldn't, and one of the things was I couldn't afford to buy that stuff. You and I have, have talked a lot about like the intersections of graffiti, sports, music, and how they sort of inform like apparel and, and streetwear. And you worked at Sony Music. You also oversaw Bravado on the West Coast. And you kind of helped foster this and create this wave for, I think what people broadly describe as like tour merch. Um, can you just describe the sort of increase in demand for it and just kind of like how we got here to where we are today? I'm no historian, but I can definitely tell you what, what I what I remember the story was. And, um, you know, in, in around 2009, uh, a friend of mine, Matt Vlasic, started the thread shop at Sony, right? And what Matt had seen was, you know, that there's, there are these big companies like, uh, like a like a bravado, which at the point at that time it's 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 crazy how life goes. Matt ended up being the CEO of Bravado one day, but like these big companies were making tour merch, and in those days, what tour merch was was um, a black T-shirt with the dates on the back, some super generic art, whatever, right? So like, what what was literally available were was the following: you could get that, you could get a bootleg outside a show, which was interesting. Definitely, there was like a ton of cool stuff. You know, you see Procell has all that stuff now, but like, it wasn't that cool then. It was just like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. Like Big Daddy Kane shirt, nice. <laughs> Keep it moving, right? There was that, there was that. And then there was like super like rocked out affliction, Fred Hardy kind of vibe. I know it's Ed, I just, you know me. <laughs> and have some fun and then, you know, then there's that kind of look so like it was as far as music was concerned it was just either like very tour very licensed or bootleg and that was sort of like what was around at that point sort of one of one of the things that matt was very and and my role at sony was uh the creative director there and one of the things that matt was very much about was turning bands into brands right and so like thinking of instead of thinking of an artist as a singular t-shirt it's thinking of an artist as multiple shirts a line a handful of things that can sort of um live somewhere and you know we um we we created this we went into the archive at sony and created a brand that launched at Barney's and it was sort of like a, it was like an elevated tour merch at the time, uh, burnouts and 30 singles and, uh, you know, garment dyed shirts and all that kind of technology was like very happening. There was this transition from like the super stiff, like Hanes shirt to this sort of like more rockish thing. And then I think that sort of moment primed the the kind of whole thing for Kanye West to come in and you know Kanye West is now doing things with 
Wes Lang. He's doing stuff with Jerry Lorenzo. His his merch is it is feeling like that sort of rock thing. And then he's now kind of expanding it. And like, it's now moving with his music, right? Then, then you have like, uh, this is fast forward ahead a number of years, but then you have like the life of Pablo, which is like when Kanye West really jumped out a window and said, you know what, we're taking it back to tour merch and everything from that era for him was printed on Gildan's, right? Now Gildan is like, no diss, but like the most common lowliest regs of shirts available. And it was it was just like a crazy thing because it was at this point that it was like, all right, you know, the power of the artist transcends all. Like, you know, whatever, whatever this guy's doing, people are following, right? And so like, that then opened up the door for the Biebers, the Weekends, uh, the Gagas, all of the sort of like pop people to kind of come in and treat their merch as more than merch, right? Merch is a weird misnomer because to me, merch is that shirt with the dates on the back, right? Like it, it just kind of has become part of like the vernacular, but like I think what was different is it was no longer merch. It was now sort of like clothing. Like this is sort of side note, but we first met you and I at Patron of the New, which is a boutique in Tribeca that like the cheapest thing at Patron's like $500 because <laughs> we were doing a pop-up for Playboy Cardi there. And like, you know, that I, I worked at Bravado at the time and, you know, that was really a testament of sort of how merch and sort of fashion and streetwear and boutique culture kind of like collided. You and I met under a cutout of Playboy Cardi diving into the crowd from the Die Lit album cover. So I know you said that you're not a historian, but like it's, I love the con all the context you just provided because I know to a lot of people like, the Kanye West, like that's where it kind of started for them. So that was great. I would also like to press the fast forward button a little bit to where we are today with the stadium goods and stadium apparel lines. And I would love if you could just sort of speak to the respective ethos of each brand and sort of their key differences. Okay, um, so stadium and stadium goods are cut from the same cloth, right? Um, actually, not literally, but figuratively, <laughs> right? Like, figuratively, right? Like, between them, right? Like, stadium and stadium goods are not come from the same club, <laughs> literally, but um, they come from the same place, right? And I think uh, what stadium goods really is is uh, a brand for people who dress from the bottom up, right? Like, it starts with your sneakers. Like, all right, cool. I have these kicks on. Boom. How am I going to put together this fit? And it's very, it's very accessible. It's very, um, uh, it's it's easy to wear. We've got like you know things that are very complementary to the footwear. Does that mean the sneakers match the apparel? Not necessarily, but it means that they complement. So you can kind of like you can wear 
you know, you can have these sneakers on, this pants from us, that shirt from them, and it's just sort of like a wardrobe essential, right? And then another large part of what we're doing at Stadium Goods is the sock program, right? So like, there's so much emphasis on sneakers and the foot selfie and da 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 da. Why not? Why is everyone still wearing black socks that come in the 12 pack? So let's just keep it moving from that, right? Like, and you know, obviously there's other companies that have sort of found success in socks, but I think what we're doing specifically is really like really giving you that like palette where it's like, you know, it, it looks like you're opening up a Pantone book because it's just like boom, every flavor. So if you want to match, you can. If you want to go secondary, you can. Tertiary, whatever, right? It's it's really all there. So um, that's Stadium Goods. Stadium, uh, I think, is an elevated version of that. And it doesn't necessarily start from the sneakers up, right? This The Stadium, you know, you're still in some you're still in some like hot kicks. Like you might have some Travis ones on and it's raining out. You're still going to go outside in them, right? You're not, you're not going to get kind of like bogged down by, by that. And it's, it's sort of for the person who has sort of, when I say graduated, I'm not saying it in a pejorative way. I'm saying it more in a way that they have a like more exposure and a higher sort of a uh, taste quotient, right? Where you're able to kind of like, you can spend 60, 70 bucks on a t-shirt. You've done it before, right? You, you, you can like touch a sweatshirt and understand why this sweatshirt is $200. You, you understand like weight, you understand material, touch, finish. And I think that's what you're going to get a lot of at stadium because, you know, it's not, it's not a heavily graphic driven line at all. But it's also a line where we uh, can take risks. It's the kind of place where we're exploring, we're, we're, we're doing different things, we're touching silhouettes that, you know, a, a, a layman may not be accustomed to, right? So like, we're, we're at Stadium because it's going to be very kind of like, you're straightforward, your tees, your tracks, your hoodies, your like, you know, the, the core basics, we're going to offer those at Stadium Plus. So I think that's sort of like, I, I can actually talk forever about this because, you know, it's what I'm working <laughs> on. Right? Yeah. But um, yeah, th those are the sort of like core differences between the brands. And I don't know if I explained it well. Does, does that kind of? No, I mean, if I can, if I can add to it, uh, I would, I would describe Stadium as foundational apparel. And I think for, for those who are sort of, you know, you, you said not, not a pejorative, but I think it's for those who are sort of, you know, style is a journey and it's for those who are sort of more in touch or more dialed into their personal style. And I think one of the staples of that foundation, getting real constructional here, uh, is the varsity jacket, um, which has become, you know, a huge, a huge piece of the stadium line. And it, the, the varsity jacket is just such a iconic and timeless silhouette. Like, just thinking about, you know, Kanye's pastel jacket, the Supreme Varsity with like all the college logo flips, the Philadelphia Eagles jacket that Princess Diana famously wore. Um, and stadiums kind of leans to the more like classic iteration of it. So I was just hoping you can walk us through the details and sort of what informed the overall design. 
Cool. So, um, yes, Charlie, to your point, the varsity jacket is incredibly foundational. This is like a wardrobe staple that needs to be in everyone's closet. And, um, you know, at this point we have a, a, a number of them, but our first one I wanted to really make very timeless, classic feeling. You know, I wanted to have the sort of, um, vibe to it that felt just like very wearable and felt like it communicated this sort of like uh the the sort of you know this sharp prep classic vibe and you know that piece in particular we did in the dartmouth colorway and you know the the thought behind that was whether you know it or not that color that sort of colorway does something in your mind. It sort of like sets off a signal. It sort of says something and it's sort of a, it's a particular look. So um, yeah, and you know, per, uh, one small detail about that was we made the arms instead of being white, we made them a butter color, which is very much uh, of today, that sort of like age patina vibe. So um, yeah, that was sort of the uh, thought behind that one. Greg, we can talk all day. We, um, we can't, unfortunately, for this podcast. So I'd like to sort of move into more rapid fire questions. The first of which being is you've lived in a lot of different places, New York and Los Angeles being the, arguably the most two notable. Wondering which, which, where in the world has the best style? You know, I, I'm a, I'm a New York kid from the nineties and aughts. I'm going to have to just hand it to my hometown. Like, you know, I've been, uh, I've been learning a lot about LA and West Coast fashion and da 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 since I've been out here and there's there's a lot of cool culture and stuff but you know I'm gonna have to give it to the Big Apple for sure. You've called it the center of the universe. I think it's perfect. Yeah, I you know I you know yeah sure. That's true. <laughs> uh, some hard hitting journalism here. A tough one. If you can only wear three sneakers the rest of your life, what are they? Three sneakers the rest of my life. God um, God forbid. God forbid. I, I feel like I only wear three sneakers now. I'm I'm starting with a gray pigskin, New Balance, 991, two, three or seven, right? Like one of those joints. And that's gonna be like my, that's gonna be like my daily driver, right? I'm just like walking around cool, like that's good. Next, I'm doing a green and white, rod laver by adidas right and that's gonna be like my go to a barbecue gotta do something preppy like you know like more summery fit slip on maybe no socks or really low ones you know that's that's what i'm <laughs> gonna do in those and my final is i know what my final is i don't even know i'm acting like i don't my final is going to be a black cat jordan 4 um and you know, for, for people who are into this sort of thing, like the Jordan four is arguably like, I know ones are very like popular and like, kind of like easy wearing lately, but you know, the Jordan four is probably the best of all of the Jordans ever. The kind of like most interesting, unique, wild out there, iconic, everything. And when they decided to do it in the black cat, it was just like, like, you know, you have this black nubuck shoe, you can goes with everything wearing every condition. I've worn them in rain, snow, sleet, whatever. 
And um, that's a shoe I started collecting when it first came out. And maybe that's like 2004, 2005, and I've just continued to buy them as much as I can. So that's, um, you know, each one sort of like hits a different sort of thing. I can't really like, I can't really say which one I am gonna be buried in because I don't know <laughs> what I'm gonna be wearing, you know what I'm saying? So I may have to plan that out, but if it's only those three, I'm good. I'm wondering, I'm also wondering, what is the favorite, your favorite piece of apparel that you've designed? You know, I, I'd have to say I haven't made it yet, you know? And um, I, I, I think like, as I'm working, and as this sort of journey of my life has been kind of happening, I'm always making some new thing that I'm like, yo, I love this, this is dope. And I think a lot of it is the, um, a lot of it is the process of like kind of making that thing. So like, I love a ton of the things that I've made, but I feel like my favorite is yet to come. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be along with you on the journey. Can't wait to see. Um, I'd also just like to know what foundational advice would you have for any people pursuing a career in the creative design industry? Maybe they're trying to get into Farfetch stadium goods. Um, I, I would say it starts with being yourself. I think that's kind of the most important thing. Like, I think if, if you're yourself and, and that's not to say that people don't grow and change and evolve and learn things, but I think it's like being true to yourself and, that I think that's kind of like in any field, sort of like one of the main things. And the other thing I would say is to like be a student. Like, you know, I've been I've been doing this for a long time. I used to I used to make t-shirts for like the high school basketball game and shit. So like <laughs> I've been really doing this for a long time. And I think um, you know, I'm I'm always learning. I'm still learning. I can't wait to learn something new today, tomorrow, whatever. So I think by, by staying supple and being a student and not being rigid, you kind of, you, you are open to grow, you're open to make mistakes, you're open to learn. Setbacks can end up being, you know, one step back, two step forward, right? Like, and I think like that is a, a, a very, very important thing. A lot of people can kind of get closed off and just be stuck in what they know and then stop growing and, you know, all kinds of sort of like collateral damage happens from that. So yeah, I'd say being yourself and being a student would be like the two things that um, I, I, I would say to anyone and, and have fun, obviously, right? Because if you're not having fun, what are you doing? You only get you only get one life out here, so you may as well enjoy it, right? Words to live by. Um, beautifully said. Once again, Greg. So grateful to work with you. So grateful that we had the time today on this episode of Farfetch Threads. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, everyone who's been listening. Stay tuned. See you next time. My pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. It was uh, very fun doing this. Uh, my my you know my first like official podcast. So I hope it's all right. I hope it sounds good. And um, yeah, thank you. And uh, peace, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure you never miss an episode of Farfetch Threads by subscribing to our Spotify and Farfetch People YouTube channel. If you're ready to do what's never been done, visit farfetchgroupcareers.com.